On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! This is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. Here's your hosts, Rob Christie and Matt Robinson. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. As the good woman said, my name's Matt Robinson. His name's Rob Christie. We got lots to cover today. We will cover many, but not all, of the small things. We'll get to that in just a little while. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you follow us there. Make sure you're subscribed. What's happening today, man? We can put a man on the moon and communicate with him. We can cable under the Atlantic. But there's always difficulties when I'm not in studio and shit just goes astray. And it, it puts me on edge a, a bit. A bit to off the hop here. I'm just saying. Well, this one's on me. I, I threw a curveball at you at the last minute, and uh, all in the interest of, of saving a buck or two. And, uh, and we'll get that ironed out. But, but perhaps the day before uh, was a yeah. little, bit, little bit last second. So I'll wear that one, man. But- That's okay. And, and really, it, it's one of those things where because I don't ever check my, my Gmail on the computer. It's always on my phone. Mm-hmm. So, of course, because it's been a while since we've done this remotely, as soon as I came in, it's like, and lo- what's your Gmail password? And I'm like, ah, it, <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, there was some forgot password hoops to jump through. So already Rob was fired up. All right. All right. But we're good. We're good. Well, hopefully man. He's going to transfer that into energy for the show. That's what I do, man. I bring it. Yeah, for sure. Or for not. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are we sipping on? Oh, my friend, I have something I'm interested in trying here today. I am drinking a milkshake IPA from Imperial City at Asarnia. Okay. So I've only ever had one, uh, one milkshake IPA, and it sat in my fridge for a long time before I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is going to be my thing. I finally went with it. Not bad, man. It wasn't bad at all. Well, and, and the idea of I get a milkshake stout. Or a porter or, or whatnot, but I, I'm, I'm, the idea of creamy, smooth milkshake, hoppy. Bitter. <laughs> yeah. So, but this is, this is saying, you know, again, everybody wants to tell me about when the hops go in the whirlpool. And you're like, yeah, all right, fine. You know, double whirlpool, mm-hmm. double dose in the second whirlpool. Anyways, obviously, the later you put the hops in, the less bitter it is, right? Right. So this is late edition, and it's 
It's supposed to be mango, coconut, and vanilla. And then they at the end of the Whirlpool, they've thrown in, they've topped it off with a little lactose sugar to end it off with a little sweetness. So I am going to have a pull on this, and we'll see how it goes. What are you drinking? I got two things going on over here. Uh, one of them a bit of a, a tradition when we record on Father's Day like we are today. Uh, this is one of the old man's beers. This is a, a Molson Canadian, a Stanley <laughs> Cup edition. Like we, everybody's been seeing the commercials, right? Uh, supposedly they ran the water through the cup. And they're like, yeah, that was there for the commercial shoot, and that's about it. But, uh, but that's all right. A Stanley Cup edition of, uh, of the Molson Canadian in honor of my old man, who no doubt if he was sitting here would remind me that I've never needed an occasion to drink his beer before. So the other one I got here is one that uh, that Shrides and Josh dropped off the other day again. And we talked about that on the last show. A little bit of Catholic guilt apparently keeps them bringing beers over here. And I'll protest a little, but not much, right? And so this is, I guess, from upstate New York. It says it's from near Cooperstown, but the brewery is called Brewery Omegang, Omegang, O-M-M-E-J, or G-A-N-G. So I've never obviously heard of that before. Not really familiar with my upstate New York craft beers all that well. Uh, but this is called the Nirvana American IPA. Coming in at 6.5%. It's supposed to be fruity and uh, and crisp. I don't know. Normally the fruity ones to me come off as the juicier ones and they lack a little crispness. So we'll see what this yeah. is going to be all about, man. Yeah, see, I'm getting no crispness off this. But I am getting... I am getting heavy vanilla, and um, you can really get the the lactose sugar at the end. It's, you see, when you describe it, something as a milkshake to me, I'm not expecting any crispness. I'm expecting it to be kind of smooth, right? Like, yep. uh, which well, doesn't really lend itself to an IPA, you wouldn't think. But I think I think on that front, it's hitting that. This is smooth. Right. This is uh, there isn't there isn't much bite to it at all, right? So. Um, and it's probably a little sweeter than I would like. Okay. So I'm going to drink two of them. Yeah. But I'm not they, hating it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's actually, even if it was, yeah. right? And if I was to throw down a couple of beers, I think of my dad's, man, from when I was a, from when I was a young lad, my dad was drinking out of Stubby's. Nice. Right? There was the old, the OV, the old Vienna, mm-hmm. the Molson Golden. Right. And... Red cap. My grandfather was a red cap drinker, so and there'd be the odd fifty kicking around. But yeah, those to me, my dad was a bit of a whatever, whatever's whatever's closest in the sure, fridge. Yeah. He didn't have a go-to. And then now he's a he's a, he's a solid Guinness guy. If I'm going to see dad, we pile back, we pile back the Guinness, tell bullshit stories. Right. They're at least forty percent true. Forty <laughs> seems high, Matt. Seems high. Yeah, my old man recently, and well, recently, last five, ten years, whatever, got into the Guinness as well. So there's always that uh, universal man makes no enemies, right? A Guinness. It is. It well, once people get past the idea that oh, it's thick, it's heavy, it's blah. No, it's gorgeous. Right. It's black magic. It's all that you would want in a beverage. I'm thirsty. Have a Guinness. I'm hungry. Have a Guinness. I'm Guinness drunk and I should go home. Have a Guinness. Have a Guinness. Yeah. Why is my stool black in the morning? Guinness. It's okay. The iron keeps everything running. Right, everything man. running. Listen, listen, before we get fired up, thanks for Michaela. Thanks to Michaela for showing up last week on my uh, 
absence. Um, Rob got old. Er, officially just checked right in at old. Yeah, it's true. Posted up. I'm Heightened, here to stay. Yeah, heightened hearing, sight and hearing fading. <laughs> just can't get it up, right? That's, <laughs> um, but I had the, the place. I, I we hosted my party at uh, at a brewery. Well, good friends over at Evergreen. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, yeah, come on in. You can have the place to yourself. Uh, and if you want to have your own Spotify playlist, if you got one, hit us with it. We'll play your tunes. So I spent a couple of weeks throwing together a, a playlist called 50 Good Ones. Nice. And uh, it's super interesting. They're all songs I love, right? All songs that I can sing along to, right? Which is which is key. I'm a terrible singer. Right. As any any long time listener to the show can attest <laughs> it gets dropped here all the time but um it's interesting the the evolution of and we've talked about it in different ways here but i had it, it right here in front of me right the evolution of my dad was a if i listen to my dad's albums it was some buddy holly some eagles some bob seeger my mom was huge abba she loved Juice Newton, you know. Nice. These sorts of things, and then you go. I'm, you know, the bathed and baptized in dirt with my older brothers, and then my younger brother with his Cure and Depeche Mode and New Order, and it's just and where you find yourself settling into that nice pocket in between all of it, yeah, it shows up right in right in that playlist. It was awesome. Anybody want to check it out? It's fifty good ones. R. Christie, Spotify. There you go. We'll post Take a link a look to at that it. in the show notes, uh, available in whatever app you're hearing this or uh, at talkingaudio.com. I'm going to check it out. I, I, I got to see what... Hey, there's a little Matt stuff in there too. Nice. Little Sophie B. Hawkins. A little Gaslight Anthem. <laughs> nice. All right. Yes. Uh, always got time for that, man. He wanted to cut her in and he strikes out Brasso. Another good curveball and Segura down to a knee. He's got the good curveball going tonight. He strikes out Gregorius. And he got him a cutter way inside, and Stan went around. That'll hear from Aaron Hicks, but it is one by Ryu. And then he gets him swinging, two down, and the second strike. And he got him. And a swing and a miss to get him. What a swing and a miss. And a swing and a miss, Ryu. Uh, well, why don't we talk a little Blue Jays, man? Um, I, I, there's a bunch of places we could go. I, I actually have no idea what the score is here on Sunday afternoon as we're but uh, but games one and two against the Yankees this weekend have not gone particularly swimmingly. I uh, only got a split against Baltimore this week, and yet you're still second in the division, still well over 500. Um, it's it's been a difficult kind of team to to wrap your arms around completely as to where they're going to end up and and what's happening here. But before we get into too much of that, I want to talk a little bit about the news about Yunjin Ryu this week. Uh, they sort of said he's going in for surgery. He's going to be done for the year. We'll find out when he gets there, whether this is a complete Tommy John or whether or not this is just a, uh, you know, kind of repair. Uh, so it was sort of 9 to 12 months versus 12 to 18 months. It did turn out to be Tommy John. I think in all likelihood, short of them giving him a new deal coming off Tommy John, you have seen him play his last game with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, what do we make of the Yunjin Ryu era in Toronto? One and a half solid years. <laughs> it's Out three, of a four-year deal. Three-two Yankees in the uh, in the third right now. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah. You know what? Uh, I was. Uh, 
pessimistic when they signed him. I was amazed by his first season. Yep. Cy Young um, nominee. Yeah, like right in there, right? And you're like, okay, it's the same guy who the previous year, you know, was in that Cy Young nomination with the Dodgers. And mm-hmm. and that's what you had, just a durable guy go out and and sort of Jimmy Key you, right? Not going to overpower you, but he was going to hit spots and do – I was just – yeah, I was incredibly impressed with his his first year. And then, yeah, by about – all-Star game last year or just before the All-Star game when it started to slip and his ERA inflated and ah yeah you know what I think if 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 he gets if this is the end of it um it and we got to, it was two and a bit years yeah I would say more good than bad but when you look at that first year he got smoked in that game, that that playoff, that playoff game, air quotes, yep. to Tampa Bay. Got hammered there. And um, so when you needed him, not really there. So I'm kind of lukewarm on the, on the, it's kind of like a, it's a slightly better R.A. Dickey. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison. The, the thing I would say is, yeah, in terms of performance, yeah, you got one shortened, terrific year. Uh, you got half of a very good year, a uh, very kind of mixed bag of whatever it was, four, five, six starts this year. But I would call it a terrific investment in the franchise. For sure, man. Because I'm not sure if you don't go do that the next winter, what do Marcus Simeon and George Springer still think of your franchise? Right? You haven't yeah. shown that you're willing to spend um, this year. You know, when you're trying to talk in all your young stars into coming, uh, getting locked up long term, when you're trying to talk Kevin Gosman into coming here, all of it sort of stems from this ability not just to spend and to spend on a quality guy. They gave him the extra four years, but it's also with with Scott Boris, right, who carries a lot of For weight. Sure. Uh, he used to call Toronto the the blue <laughs> flu. Wouldn't uh, would never spend any money. So, I think in that regard. Look, obviously, when they spent the money, they knew it was a gamble with how long it was, given his history and his uh, his health and everything. I'm sure they expected to get a little more than they have. But even if this is it, you know, it's an $80 million investment that suddenly made your franchise relevant again and, and did lead to some good things in that regard. So even if this is it, I have a hard time being too... You know, obviously, the pitcher himself hasn't panned out. But what it said to the rest of MLB, I think, was just as important. Well... And it is, and it's funny because I'm, I'm working through in my head. I'm like, the agent's name is, and all I could come up with was Borat, right? Borat. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, what's that, that guy's name? What is it? What is that? I like. I've got the taste of your ass in my beard for two years now. Um, still makes me laugh. Still yeah. makes me laugh. But yeah, you can't overlook that, right? And it is that whole go back to when they started to spend money and they brought in Russell Martin, they traded for Donaldson, right? And you had that. Tulowitzki comes in. It's it's it is the idea that we can look at it and say, yeah, ultimately, is Springer going to come for the money? Yeah, he's probably going to come if you pay him enough money. But it's much easier if he goes, yeah, you already have the this nice budding core, and yeah, and Ryu was here, and yeah, you can't overlook that. And and the strength of a power agent who is willing to to do business or or think that you're open for business, we can't overlook that. Yeah. Yeah. The agent front. Yeah. So, I, you know, probably 
bittersweet would be the best way to the most positive way you could describe it. But uh, even if this is it for Ryu, and I mean, I guess it's possible that he sits out the rest of this season and most of next season, probably all of next season, and maybe they're willing to give him a look, like an invite to camp, um, but on a much smaller contract. I don't know what that looks like, but it would not shock me if if we've seen him play his last game for uh, for the Blue Jays now. And uh, Well, you are looking at, you're looking at, as you said, if, he, if it's Tommy John light, you are still talking about, that's an optimistic 12 months. Yep. Right? That's a full year. Now, you know what? He is an older pitcher. He is of soft body. You know, and it's not like he is... Love that guy. Yeah, well, this is it, man. It's, it's, if anybody is going to be able to, to rehab it properly and, and, and hit that 12-month mark and, and not be... Like, I think, I, I, I think sometimes the, the softer guys are a little more... They have a little more bounce back ability, if if you will. A lot of bounce for sure. A lot of stretch. Yep. A lot of yeah, poke. <laughs> yes. soft. <laughs> yeah, but we'll we'll see. And and it's interesting because watching the game on Saturday, they were they were saying you know obviously with with Ryu out, what what is the what is the need or what would be your first purchase as the Blue Jays. Is it is it more starting pitching? Is it relief pitching, or is it another left-handed bat? What what say you, Matt Robinson? I think at this point, look that Friday night game where they got absolutely hammered, 13, 12 to three or whatever it was. Twelve three, yep. It didn't look. Obviously, it sucks. It's supposed to be a big series, and the Yankees, despite the fact that the Blue Jays had gone had won like. I don't know, 22 out of 29 or something ridiculous like that and had made up no ground. Like, we're still yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten 10 games back of the Yankees. You go, you need this series to have any prayer at keeping the Yankees yeah. within reach and, and maybe doing this. And when you go out and you get clobbered like that, despite the fact that you're frustrated because it is another game that you've lost now in the standings, I looked at it and went, that's... That's Ross Stripling. That's Trevor Richards, and I can't even remember who the guy in the middle was. You just go. It's not relevant. That's not what you're going to trot out at ever in a in a playoff game. And then they go out and they put Manoa on the mound the next day, and they get trounced less, <laughs> but they yeah. still don't score. I, I I would have said before the Ryu news, even knowing that you know you weren't sure what you could count on out of him, I would have said the bullpen and the lefty bat were more important than the rotation. Just assuming Gosman's going to be fine, Barrios is going to figure it out, and Manoa has kind of already become the ace of this thing. Um, but now knowing that you've lost some depth there, right? you, you don't have Stripling to fall back on anymore. Stripling's already there. He is your fifth starter now, and I think a lot of the time you're okay with it. I don't think you love sending him out against the Yankees or, or whatever. they got to go find a pitcher, and I don't know who that's going to be, um, on the broadcast, they've thrown around a couple of interesting names, but yeah, I think at this point you got to go and shore this up a little bit because even Burrios, you know, he's I like him. I still think he's going to be fine, but this has not been a typical like lock it down kind of start for uh, to the year for Burrios, and and Gosman's gotten hit a little bit in a couple of his last uh, starts, so. Yeah, I think you're probably going to have to go find a, a big arm and, and push, hopefully, Stripling back into the pen as your long guy. And I still think you're going to have to address 
the bullpen, but I think the the rotation has suddenly kind of jumped to the front of mind as maybe needing a little more help. Well, and it is it is a bit of uh, the, the, this great run, you know, through the late late May into June. Yeah, still it's on camouflaged. pace for ninety seven wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you touched on it earlier, right? It they are still second in this division coming into today, and you know the Yankees are right in there with only the 01 Mariners yeah. and another Yankees team, like 06, whatever, like in 50 years to go either, you know, the the Mariners went 50 and 14 and, and the other Yankee team also went 48 and 16 through 54 games. Mm-hmm. Like those are the three best in 50 years. So you are looking the, at their, uh, their, they're killing our fun, right? Like you're on pace for a great year and you're go- we're getting crushed. Like we're not even close to winning this division. It's it's odd. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. so this nice run is sort of camouflaged by the central, right? That we we've we've took a run through the central and sure. you've seen you know, you've seen some wonk, some subpar baseball, right? And so it kind of makes you feel like Mm, the bats are coming around. Mm. Once we got out of the once we got out of the east, right? Or and and you know got the Astros behind us. We saw them a couple times, right? Yep. It's it's yeah. We, we've seen some of the some of the soft marks in the in the in the east. I mean in the AL. So but so is everybody else. Like you're gonna yeah, have yeah. to play hey, them. <laughs> everybody else has seen them more as as we talked about before the Jays embarked on this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the Jays had top two hardest schedules in the first two months, right? So I, I totally get it. Um, to me, the alarming part is when you looked at at the Yankee series and went, uh, you have Manoa sandwiched in around Stripling and Kikuchi, mm-hmm. right? You knew that was going to be trouble, Yep. right? But to me, what's what's sort of been more ominous is, you know, that Manoa game, he was outstanding. Yep. That fourth inning where there was some suspect umping, and, and I'm not blaming it on the umps because you scored no runs. Right. Right? But there was some shit where you're like, what is happening here? I don't understand those calls. The check swings that are called no swings that either touched the ball, didn't touch, like the, and, you know, the whole Rizzo thing. It just, everything about that was like weird. There's just weird shit, right? And so, but at the end of the day, through the first two games, they scored 16 runs. You scored three. Right. You're not winning. It's the and, and the bats are, are are not doing what you would hope they would do. And they've been feasting, and the numbers have become more come back to the norm on that on that lesser pitching. Right. Once we've got away from the Rays, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Astros. Well, it's I just, think they had like a plus 47 run differential coming into this weekend. And as of Saturday night, it was down to like plus 23 or something <laughs> like, geez. Well, and they were negative. Like, they yeah. were negative at the end of May. Yeah. So they've had a good run, but yeah, the Yankees have put in a, a beating on you and they, you gave up a pile to, uh, to Baltimore too. I lost what on the last game they got just smoked, I believe. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah. And honestly, their record against the East is only a couple of games over 500. Now that's always going to be just an absolute grind. Yeah, yeah the, you're right. The 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 turnaround, and maybe we always should have expected it, was coming against some softer competition. Obviously, you got to get fat there, um, but you got to put up a better fight than this against the New Yorks. And 
and your Tampas and, and Bostons and this. I, like, I want to be careful. I'm I'm not at a point yet where I'm pressing the panic button or anything, right? Like, this is still a well above 500 team that's going to be fine. But there are some things you're looking at going, you know, I just, I just don't love that. Um, and uh, this Yankees series was one of them. And I think at this point, get over any thoughts of winning the division. Um, yeah. You needed to kind of reel them in a little here, and you certainly did not. So uh, especially if this Sunday afternoon score is going to hold as well. Anything well, else on the Jays, man? I Just, just, just a second. Yeah. If you look at the, the first one, it was the Jays' two runs come on a Vladdy home run, which is welcome yeah. with Bo on, on base. So that's nice. Yeah. But yeah, the Yankees have responded with two other home runs. So clearly the ball is jumping at the dome. What do you think of that? Has it just warmed up or has baseball listened to everybody and gone, yeah, okay, let's go back to the crazy fucking rubber balls that we were using last year? Because the ball is flying all of a sudden again. Yeah. Well, not enough for the Jays because there's a lot of warning track shit going on there, Um, which which is the part, right? They... I know they were averaging seven runs a game there for a nice 10 game stretch, but there was a lot of the one game when they went like eight for 12 with runners in scoring position, no homers, Yeah, which for a, for a lineup designed the way it is, it's a power. There's, there's power in that lineup. And and if the ball is not going out, Oh, that's a huge problem for them, but I, it's I, a huge problem. I, I, it seems to me, man, just watching some of the other games and looking at some of the numbers, I think we might be back using last year's batch of baseballs again. I, I they always said, you know, when it warms up a little bit, and the I don't know, some of these balls are getting just crushed again in a way that they weren't earlier in the season. I they don't talk about it in the league office, right? That we're back yeah. to using the good shit, but to me, it feels a little different. Give me the good shit. No, it, to me, it's the balls. Like um, I can't remember which night it was. It may have been in the Orioles series last week. You know. When when good swings are put on the ball and it's gone, Chap, I'm thinking of the one night Chapman and, and Hernandez both hit. Yeah. And they went like four hundred and sixty feet. <laughs> but they have that good that good it good crack, crack and, yes. and it's a good swing. It's the balls where you go, the excuse me home runs. Those are the ones where you go, Come on, man. Yeah. That is How did all that just ball. Keep drifting out, right? Yeah, yeah you're yeah. like Dish, and you're like, Okay, that's um you well, know, hey, look at that. Mid- middle depth and you're like oh my goodness it's in the bullpen right those are the ones that make you raise an eyebrow like huh what's happening there yeah um before we jump off the jays i i just had a i had a i was i i'm curious with with the emergence of gabriel moreno and with 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 kirk and jansen in-house now i know jansen the oft injured jansen yeah who's the odd man out there matt um. Yeah, probably. I I wouldn't be shocked. If, and and we talked about this briefly with with Shrides last week. Normally, when you call up a prospect like Moreno, you don't yo-yo that guy. You call up a guy like that, and he stays. I wouldn't be shocked in this situation if maybe they give him a week or two once Jansen is back and and sort of see what this is going to look like because they they like to DH Kirk a lot and and rightfully so. Guys killing it. Um. After that, it wouldn't shock me if Moreno goes back down for a bit, at least until the trade deadline, and then maybe, I know that's what you're driving at, who might be headed out the door. Um, yeah, they, they really like 
Moreno is kind of an all-around young prospect kid. They love Kirk's bat, and they love the way Jansen calls a game. So what do you value more, right? And and that's going to be interesting. Obviously, I don't expect Moreno is going to be traded, but uh, if if Jansen can stop having his pinky smashed every couple of weeks or, or whatever's going on there, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Kirk was the guy. Who got dealt? That really? was the, that was the name you kept hearing when they were all in on uh, Jose Ramirez there out of Cleveland. Um, you know, I just I think they're worried about his durability. With the speaking of of that Ryu body type, a little bit, right? Yeah, well, and man. Uh, you That's know, like five six two twenty five, right? And uh, and so when you're down and, and taking a beating like that, and and so even with uh, Moreno up here, Moreno's catching three out of five days, and and Kirk's catching the other two, so. They they clearly prefer his bat to his uh, his defense, and I wonder if if that wouldn't be a guy that you sell high on and and go because I don't know how long he's going to be be durable, but I'm just guessing, right? That, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what and hey, that's what a podcast. That's what we do. It's all about. And see, the thing for me is, it's always the way Jansen has handled the pitching staff, right? Right through the minors yep. and right up and in was as long as he can hit, you know give you 250 and you know just, just suddenly you found his power and for sure yeah. yeah which which has really been lost in the last sort of year and a half prior to this but also worth noting was like he was the exclusive catcher of ryu yep right and with that gone i just wonder you know do you foresee the because he's not an old guy either right no nope. Do you foresee that power staying? It, what what is the as you say the value you you deem? Because clearly Moreno's the guy, right? They love his arm. Yep. They love his bat. Right. Yep. It's only whether he can learn to call a game better. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. Uh, to me, it's 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 super interesting. I I, I was feeling, I was feeling Jansen was going to be the guy on the way out. Yeah, could be. But I but I don't know, man. I don't know what. Again, it's. It, it comes down to yeah, what what happens here? And and they love the bat, right? The offense, everybody loves the bat. When you got that young Moreno, and then you got two guys whose bat is above average for catchers in baseball, and well above average. So right. like, I I don't know, man. Like you might be able to get something for that as part of a package at the deadline. And and yeah, I think one of those guys. Uh, as long as they're comfortable with what they're seeing here out of Moreno, that he's ready, then you would be more comfortable to to deal one of the other two, and, and you know, always have Zach Collins kicking around to to come in and swing a lefty bat for you should you need. Um, yeah. uh, it, the magic may be off him a little bit after a hot ten day stretch back in May or whatever it was, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I think it's interesting though. I, it won't shock me at all if one of those guys is gone by the time the the trade deadline has passed. Well. Because if you see Moreno as the future, as the guy you want to have three out of five nights, who's the guy you want to have less? Do you keep Jansen around as a as a DH? I'm trading Jansen if Moreno's yeah. my guy. There you go. Okay. Yep. I just think Kirk's value might be higher right now. I get like, it. Yeah, I, sure. I get it. And I, I just, but I wonder if if you do look at it and go. Yeah, I need a guy who's only gonna who's gonna catch one or two of you know every yeah. you know once a series. The whole uh, the NL no or now having the DH though, right? Like there's there's extra spots for a good bat across baseball. So a little Edgar Martinez action. There you go, man. There you go. Tyler Anderson to Shohei Otani. 
That's a line drive to right. Betts won't get there. And Otani breaks up the no-hitter with one out in the ninth inning. He does it with a triple. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Shohei Otani because uh, Ken Rosenthal wrote a great piece in The Athletic here uh, about a week ago talking about what that contract is going to look like and the fact that he's doing it on both sides of the ball, right? He's one of the top pitchers in baseball. Those numbers are a little down this year, but still still in the uh, the upper echelon. And then, of course, being this terrific batter as well. And we've, I can't say never, but certainly in the modern era, we haven't seen a guy who's going to command that kind of uh, leverage basically twice. You're signing one of your top pitchers, and you're signing your one of your top hitters, and the Angels are an interesting in an interesting spot, man, because they have him for one more year after this. Uh, he has arbitration rights this year. I believe last year he made about two and a half. This year, I think he's around five and a half. And that's going to go up uh, by quite a bit. Right now, the richest contract in baseball is Max Scherzer at $43 million a year in terms of annual pay. Uh, Ken Rosenthal thinks that Otani will want to set the record for both annual value and overall value. You think he's going to do it? No. Nope. Really? I, I I don't. And if because if if you look at Scherzer at forty three, I think Trout is the is the positional player. There's a bunch the of guys highest. in that camp. Bryce Harper's in that mix. Yeah, uh, but I Machado think Trout at, Trout at 37 or 38, Yeah, right, is that positional player. I On really the same see, payroll in Anaheim, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I really see, I think I see Otani surpassing Trout, but not sure, sir. I see him right around 40 million. What do I have to base that on? Jack squat. But I just, <laughs> I, I just don't see, and he's only 27, I believe, right, or 28. Um, yeah, he'll be 30 when the new contract starts. Okay, yes. and so I just, my, my gut feeling only is, is yeah, that he comes right in between Trout and, and Scherzer at around 40. You see him breaking it? I think he has the leverage to do, uh, I don't think it will be in Anaheim. Because they have right now Mike Trout locked up, like I said, at about $38 million until 2030. And Anthony Rendon... Uh, at around thirty million as well yeah. until two thousand twenty-eight. Both of those guys already into their thirties. Um, Anaheim also has a history. If you remember, they huge deals to both Albert Pujols and Josh Hamilton. Both of those guys were thirty-two when they signed them. Neither of those deals en- ended very well. And if you give Shohei Otani forty, forty-five, whatever it's going to be, you now have three guys over thirty long-term making a hundred and twenty million dollars for three players, and that is some Kyle Dubis setup, right? That's how you go out and <laughs> and uh, and build a roster kind of top-heavy. And so, I, the right now this year, Anaheim is at their highest payroll ever at one hundred and eighty-eight million dollars. And are you prepared to be at one hundred and twenty? for three guys, all of them into their 30s, right? Starting to be on the wrong side of this. Man, I, I don't... And Anaheim's not any good this year. I was saying, not even a playoff team. Right. So I do think Otani is going to set this record, but I don't think it's in Anaheim. Hey, Mariners. I was thinking he'll, he'll be a Yankee. Is sort of... Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you know what? And first of all, I appreciate the Leafs drive-by. Yeah. 
That's awesome. I was just trying to beat and, you to it. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't like that. But I thought, ah, we're remote. I don't want to mess with Matt's mojo here. <laughs> but, yeah, it, 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 it's spot on, right? You're looking, at, you're looking at Dodgers, Red Sox, Yankees. I only, I only pull the, Mar- the Mariners out for their, you know, they love their, they love their Japanese players they there. They do, yeah. Little closer, little closer time zone wise, although can't get any closer than no closer than LA. Right. Yeah. To but, me, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just in terms of of the value, and, and you make a great point about Rendon, and because um, he was on the list too that I was looking at. If if you're if you're when it comes down to you know October baseball, and you got to run like he comes down to. It's the extra value meal, right? Because because <laughs> you, you you can you can drop down to three pitchers. Yeah. You and and if you can have one of those guys be be an impact hitter as well, the value is 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 double in, in October. Yes. And so yeah, in terms of roster slots. And, yeah, yeah. I just and and again with this new Otani rule, when he sells a bunch of jerseys and you get big attention out of japan people buying your merch like there's ways to recoup some of that money i i can't imagine that the angels I, like i i think it's more likely that the angels trade mike trout than sign otani to a contract bigger than his bigger than trout's right i, I just they're not any good they're getting older and I can't imagine having been through this before with the names I mentioned there with uh, with Josh Hamilton and Albert Pujols. I just can't imagine that their owner is going to sign up to to do this. And, and Guerrero Sr. There you go. Yes. Um, I just think he'll get it, but I doubt it'll be in Anaheim. He knows what he's worth. And and the way baseball contracts are going, man, it just seems like everybody gets $30 million a year now and He'll be well, well above that, obviously. And so. if 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 I'm if I am management of with the Angels, and I'm listening to this podcast, I'm actually trading Otani, Trout, and Rendon right now. Yeah, we're done. Fuck. Start <laughs> start start building for the future, man. If you really want to bottom out, get rid of them all. Take picks. Yep. Take young prospects. Let's go. Right. I'm all on an Angels rebuild right now. Did uh, did you happen this week? To catch the Vince McMahon news. Ah, see, I you know what? I don't know where I heard that, but I heard that he's stepped aside and Stephanie is is taking over in the sh- in the interim while he's defending some kind of court case. So yeah, what's happened is uh, apparently Vince had a had a mistress who worked for the company, and uh, she has since departed the company with a hefty three million dollar thanks for working here kind of package, basically to shut up. And the company has found out about it. Uh, someone on the board clearly has leaked it. And it's being investigated. Did he use his money or did he use the company's money to keep this woman silent about this relationship? And so in the meantime, he's going to step down as CEO and chairman of the board and uh, cede control to his daughter. Uh, yeah, which is obviously a good. Now, interesting again. Just about a month ago, she had said, "I'm leaving the company for now for family reasons." Uh, she's married for people who are at best casual wrestling fans to Triple H, who has just had uh, <laughs> had spent some time uh, in hospital, major heart 
complications or something. And, All the roids. Uh, yeah, probably caught up to him just a little bit. And, um, man, it was funny. I saw a clip the other day. Hunter of, Hearst Helmsley? Yes, that's right, man. And uh, I saw a clip of him from 1997. And I'm like, this is not Lean. the same guy. Right? He's not <laughs> even close. <laughs> like, he comes out and he's wearing riding pants yes. and riding boots that's or right. something, he's right? A, yes, because he's a, a Greenwich snob and whatever. Yeah. Man. Um, so anyway, she's married to him. She's going to go home, be around him, because he's obviously off of, he was working for the company as well on developmental side of things. She's going to go home. And now all of a sudden she's back as, as CEO and, and chairperson. And there's a couple of interesting possibilities here, man, that they knew this was coming a month ago, asked her to go home. Like, she, you can get away from this, and then it will look like when we bring you back, it's not yeah. quite as... Or is she the one who leaked it, looking to finally get dear old dad out of the way? Um, well, see, Matt, this is very succession. Like, yes, Roy kind of stuff. For sure, man. And the only reason I bring it up is... You know, we're not going to spend a ton of time here. He has stepped away as CEO and chairman. He is keeping his position as like head of creative. Chief um, money raker. Right. <laughs> and, uh, he hasn't been on TV almost at all in the last couple of years. Um, you know, his on-screen Mr. McMahon character has sort of gone away until Friday morning. There's a press release put out right after the fact that he has stepped away on the corporate side that said that character, Mr. McMahon, will be on SmackDown tonight. And you're like, of course he will, right? Like, and all he does is he just comes out and he repeats this. You know, lots of shows have this, like, uh, no different than when you're watching Hockey Night in Canada. This program is a joint presentation of the NHL and Sportsnet or whatever, and it's a graphic and a song and whatever. The WWE has one, and it's a bunch of clips and highlights, and then this WWE logo and the words flashing underneath, then, now, forever, together. And that's their kind of tagline. He comes out to his Mr. McMahon music, you got no chance in hell. You got no chance. Exactly, man. And he gets on the mic, and he repeats that line, and he emphasizes, he goes, and the most important word, together. I'm here simply to remind you of the four words we just saw. And the, what we call the WWE signature. Those four words are then, now, forever, and the most important word is together. Welcome to SmackDown! And the crowd all cheers, and then he goes, Welcome to SmackDown! And then he leaves. <laughs> and clearly... This crazy fucking guy has come out on television for no other reason than to say or to show, fuck you, I'm not leaving, right? Like, I've stepped aside, but on my TV show where I care, right, in front of the, the however many people are watching this, I'm still here. And the whole thing was just so gross, right? Like, you're still in control of the creative side of things and booked yourself to go out and... Like, yeah. he had nothing to say. He didn't play it up as a character thing. It wasn't part of the TV show. It was just, look at me. I'm still on TV. You people can't touch me. It was a weird fucking segment, man. Was Trump with him? It, it's, it was very, very much a Donald Trump type segment. Well, because to me, with this whole, with the, and we won't, I won't segue too far either way, yeah. but with the whole January 6th yeah. hearings and stuff and 
and they they're playing back those the clips of Trump talking about Pence, talking about the 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 thuggery on the on the Capitol. Right. And you're like, so disgusting, man. Disgusting in the time, but in hindsight, even worse. Right. And 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 so the two of them, you're like, and they're and buddies. Again, I, You've seen the picture. Yeah. I've sent it to you before of the McMahon family with President Trump. <laughs> right. How many of them didn't get the stunner? Yeah. That's the. That was that's it. The <laughs> there was only one person, one adult in the. And it was Shane McMahon's wife, who's never been willing to come near the, uh, the TV show. Good for her. Common sense. Yeah. Does prevail someplace. Everyone else, including Donald Trump, at some point or another, has received a stone cold stunner. And uh, uh, which which makes me love that. I don't know what the fuck this is. But yes. I'm going to drink it. Right. That, that guy is just... <laughs> is, that guy needs to chill out or relax, whatever it is he says, which I love. I love yeah, it. It's, course, it's to me uh, more and more... This is a cold call. Yeah. Yes, the Stone Cold has a, has a bit of a... Has, has some has some staying power. I love that about him. It's true, man. So uh, I just wanted to touch on it because it was fucking weird, man. Uh, well, and this is from the wrestling guy. Yeah, it's true. Uh, he's not going to survive. It. Uh, this will be the end of... Uh, Lots of CEOs have gone down for way less than uh, than what he's being accused of. And right now, he's kind of riding it out. I think he thinks he's going to make it, but by all accounts. Oh, they, they all do, Matt. <laughs> they all do. They don't all have a TV show in front of 20,000 people to walk out and stroke their own egos in front of. So. Right. Egos not at just best. E- no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, Matt, not just the egos, because clearly that's how we get into this problem. Like 182 time here at Ball Arena. Uh, let's talk a little hockey, man. It's, uh, it's been a fascinating Stanley Cup final thus far between the Lightning and the Avalanche. Game one was fairly compelling. I think Colorado was the better team, but Tampa did what Tampa does, right? They they got back into it, looked like they, they might still escape and, and grab game one. Of course, they lose in, in overtime, and there was no... Thanks, Pat Maroon. You fat balloon. Yeah, uh, you knew that was going to catch up with you somewhere. Right. Uh, game two, there was never any question who was in control of that one as the Avalanche run wild 7 nothing. Um, without still their number one, uh, number two center and a top four defenseman with Nazem Kadri and Samuel Girard still out of this, uh, this series, man, this, it, it looks like it's the speed that Tampa is struggling with most, uh, aside from Vasilevsky sort of forgetting who he is, at least on, on Saturday night. What have you seen so far? Well, and, and I'm, I'm a bit surprised. I know that the avalanche are fast, right? Like that's everybody understands that. I play fast. Yeah, yeah we all. <laughs> it's inside inside joke there, it's ladies right. and gentlemen. Um the Leafs play fast. Yep. The Panthers play fast. Yeah. The Rangers play fast. Like it's not like Tampa hasn't seen fast, skilled, talented hockey all the way through, right? Yep. Like it's yep. not like, "Oh, this isn't a 
This is a crazy adjustment. Right. We've been playing pluggers, the New Jersey Devils of the <laughs> mid-90s all this time, right? Um, no, it's it's I, I've been amazed by and, and great show with JR uh, last week, week before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's used an analogy of that everybody has succumbed to the Leafs and and the, the Rangers, especially. That's sort of the anaconda, the the the, the choking of of Tampa. They just you think you're good, then you're not. Yeah, there and, are large periods where you feel like you kind of got it. You're doing all right, and they just slowly <laughs> kind of wrap around you and kind of take it away from you. Like yeah, and and the Rangers series. Well, the Leafs, the Leafs. I think won five nothing in the first game. That's right. Yeah. Right. The Rangers kind of blitzed them in the first game and first two and games. So, yeah. Yeah, and so you're looking at it going. This doesn't feel the same, right? It doesn't feel the same after game two when, you know, the, the Avs started so hot in game one and then slowly, slowly the lightning reeled them in. Yeah. Reeled them in and you're like, okay, this is happening. And then you just watch whether it's McCarr or McKinnon, both games one and two, there's, there's periods where those guys knife through Tampa like they're standing still, right? The speed has been like overwhelmingly evident, right? And so it's, I, I don't know. Well, Nachushkin's decided he's Pavel Bure for well, what is a, that a couple days here, right? I think like, he's coming up as a, is he a UFA this yeah, year? And yeah, you go, he's about to that, get fucking paid because GMs can only remember the last four games. They honestly, saw that, that to me strikes you as a late. Ottawa's sl- new top six swinger. Uh, I was just going to say, <laughs> your late career Kovalev signing. <laughs> and you go, yeah, the guy's got six goals for us this year and they came in two games. Right. Uh, to me, I, that's. I was just going to say, man, Nikushkin feels like a guy who's going to be overpaid and then wickedly under undersell. So, yeah, yeah welcome to the centers. We we uh, <laughs> we expect those kinds of things. Did, did you see just on a brief aside the uh, the Philip Philip Forsberg noise on Saturday? I did not. Uh, hockey Twitter, man, was a buzz. Philip Forsberg spotted at a couple different places in Ottawa. Of course, uh, you know, not signed long-term in, in Nashville. I believe he's UFA, actually. I, I don't think that's done. And, of course, reports start coming out. Uh, you know, Philip Forsberg visiting Ottawa. You know, could he be the, the top six that they're looking for? And, uh, yeah, that might be a nice fit. I was actually pretty unhappy to see that this might be happening. And then it comes out that Ryan Spooner is getting married in Ottawa this weekend. <laughs> a pile of his former teammates are here. Yeah. Forsberg's girl is great friends with Spooner's girl. He's he's just in town for a wedding. There's nothing yeah. here. So. Yeah, and and you know what? I, I, that's not the. I, he's a great player, yeah. Philip Forsberg. That's not the guy I want. All right, I don't need another. You should take him before st- you take Nashushkin. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. I, I agree. I, I certainly do, but I need a left winger. I need, you know what I mean? I, I, yep. I'm not, I'm not sure that's where I'm looking for, but, um, as far yeah. as this series goes, yeah, he, it's, it, it, it feels to me the difference between, and, 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 uh, and Bednar said before the series started there, the coach at the Colorado avalanche that they watched what Toronto did a lot of, uh, again, you know, what worked, what didn't work. He said, we're built similarly and. And that felt nice. It was a lot more of that handshake respect that the Leafs have been getting, right? It's, yeah, well, uh, the Leafs are Leafs are a top five, six team, yeah. right? Like, that's not... But here's the difference no... in what I've seen. Darcy Kemper. Mm, Jack Johnson. I, I would have no way of knowing. 
Darcy Kemper faced like 15 shots on Saturday night. I have no idea if he's any good or not, right? They're not making him be. It's that while I don't know that guys like Darren Helm and Andrew Cogliano are going to put up much points, they can still skate. And Toronto's fourth line couldn't, right? Spezza loves Spez, but he couldn't keep up anymore. Simmons ain't getting there, right? Kyle Clifford can skate a little, but he was basically done after he blew somebody up in game one or two or whatever yeah. the hell that was. One. The uh, the speed isn't there. And so that fourth line with uh, Logan O'Connor as well, like they just get in there and stay on top of you and they kind of wear you out until it's not like a big four check, but the speed, as we've talked with, just keeps coming yeah. on every line. And maybe those third and fourth lines won't score, but they will keep you backing up and keep you skating. And I think that's been a huge thing in terms of, you know, yeah, maybe we can handle with Hedman and, and Sorelli, like maybe we can kind of sort of shut down McKinnon or whatever, but the speed just never stops coming at them. Well, and having having Darren Helm, and it's funny, man, to hear on the broadcast night, last night, Saturday night, whenever that was. 4,000 days? No, I didn't hear anything before. 4,000 days between goals for that guy in a Stanley Cup final. final. Okay, yeah. Look look at you, man, and your longevity. Good for you. Scored for uh, Detroit back in 09. Yeah, well, and a cup winner in 08 is where I was going. Yep. And and you're like, damn, it seems like forever. And and for a guy who... A world junior guy? Yeah, but for a while there in Detroit, he was going to be, you know, this this nice talented middle six guy, and but still kicking around with with speed because that's that was always always his calling card, yeah. right? He was a lights out kind of guy. And that's why Colorado still has room for him. We don't need you to put up much, but you can still skate, and that's the difference between Toronto's bottom six and and Colorado's bottom six. It's just that pace that they bring it with. It's well, and every year, every year, I rail on Kyle Dubas with his double down on skill. And then when Dubas goes with the Cliffords and the Simmons. Fine, I'll do what Rob it, wants. It all, yeah, exactly. All right, I'll fucking that guy. Smashed by the Habs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and so you're like, all right, maybe the Avalanche, maybe the Dubas way does work. It just Stop works listening but, to this stupid podcast. <laughs> it just works better out there than it does here. Right. I don't know what the deal is. Sure. So it, it's it's interesting, man. And I, yeah, because... It's worth noting that, yeah, if I was to, if, if you know, if Toronto was to be t- Colorado or vice versa, I'd, I'd be, I'd be really against Joe Sackett. You don't know what you're doing, Joe, <laughs> which people have said. Yep. Not in the past three years, though. No, it's, it's funny that, uh, you know, it was five years ago, Colorado was like legendarily bad and we were all ripping on. They didn't know what they were doing out there. Patrick Waugh walks away in August, like a week before training camp starts, and they're just like, whatever, here's our AHL guy, Jared Bednar. They stick with him. and Not five- even their AHL guy. I think Bednar came from Columbus, like Columbus system. Uh, could be. I can't. I thought he was their guy. It doesn't I know, matter. I think, I think he was the AHL coach for Columbus. And uh, he was thrown to the Wolves that year and somehow survived, and now here he is sitting in a, a Stanley Cup final. It's interesting you mentioned McKinnon and Makar because you're right. They had been incredibly dangerous with a ton of speed, a ton of pace. But between them, uh, going into at the end of the second period of game two, with Colorado having put up at that point, I think, 11 goals in the series, between them, they had one assist, which yeah. was mind blowing. And then, of course, they explode in the third. Makar gets 
a couple Two. goals in front of dad yeah. there on uh on the that's evening. a great that was honestly man i love that that was a cool as, little uh piece of business as a hockey as a hockey parent right as yeah. somebody who spent many if and, and i love that you know that's the best your kids and so yeah to be able to follow your your kid to a uh to a cup final and the and the dad just fired up right you just of course yeah you love that you love that one of the things that i wonder now and you referenced that new york series for tampa in the eastern conference final they were down two nothing going home there as well this just this feels completely different right like totally the, totally different i i still assume tampa will make it somewhat interesting but there's just i have no belief whatsoever that they're winning four out of five against colorado here well f- first of all You've mentioned Bednar a couple times. With with the firing of Jeff Blaschel, is Bednar still not the most anonymous guy? <laughs> like you hear his name all the time now, but now with Blaschel gone, you're like Bednar is the most anonymous coach. Well, you referenced uh, that show we did with Jr. two weeks ago, and I asked him about the coaches who had been with their teams. There was only I think three guys left who'd been with their teams for at least four years, and he was one of them. He's like, yeah, he's. I literally just watched his team last night. Never would have got him. <laughs> yeah, what a, and it's funny because I'm like Bednar and Blaschel. Like, like to me, the two of them are interchangeable, and I could I I spent half the time going, who's with who. Buffalo Anyways, is the other guy. Yeah. Don Granado yeah. to me. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Oh, yeah. well, yeah. He's one of the many Tonys and Cami and all these, yep. you know, mixed that up. American, uh... Yeah, dynasty, hockey dynasty. Yep. Um, but it's it, to me, it's it's interesting with it when you look at, and I can't remember now what your actual segue to this was because I took it off in a different direction. But if, Four if out you look of five, at, are they, they going <clears> to... <throat> Yeah, Push it, and, and to me, we came into this 2022 playoffs with this idea of Vasilevsky the Great, right? This, this how great he was and never losing back-to-back games and, 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 and whatnot. And even, even in the win over Toronto, goaltending to me was never the, never the deciding factor in that series. No. Like Campbell was good. And Vasilevsky at times was was average, like yep. three goals. How many games in in that Toronto series did Vasilevsky allow three or more goals? All of them except Game Seven. Yeah. Okay. You see, there fire. you go. Yeah. <laughs> and so the the we'll, we'll wash away the Panther series, but then there were long stretches of average to slightly below average goaltending for Tampa in that Ranger series. Yep. When it mattered, yeah, he was good. He has been. Eh. In this series, right? right? In the playoffs, sorry. And and then in game two, he didn't get a lot of support. Well, in game two, was-, was it late in the second or early in the third? Hockey night's showing that he makes that one incredible save. Um and Craig Simpson dropped the remember this save. Because yeah, he drops it after almost any save. Yes, yeah. which which I just thought he did for the Leafs, but it turns out <laughs> he just he just clings to that cliche he's on got a regular like basis. Four or five. It, He's the voice from NHL 22 on PlayStation where he's only got about 12 or 13 phrases programmed and they just run them randomly throughout the game. Look, he makes Vasilevsky makes this huge save and that's great. And they're talking about how great he is. You're like, you want to show the replay on the one where he's just totally fucking lost? I think it was the Josh Manson goal. Like he doesn't even know where he is in his net. And, we call it the Hogberg. Right. And Manson's just like, all right, and whips it short so I'm yeah. on him. And you're like, thanks, buddy. I am yeah. Josh Manson. I don't get to look like this. Right. Like, yeah. I, I, Today I do. Right. And so, yeah, he's been interesting. And I wonder with him, because he does still have these 
games now and then and these moments of greatness. I wonder if maybe this is the thing that we all talked about is how much hockey Tampa has played over the last three years, right? One was in the bubble last year. They go late again because of the calendar being messed up. Tampa's played a lot of hockey and you can still see in him the guy he's supposed to be and he can find it at times, but the consistency is struggling and that's a focus thing, right? Which comes from from fatigue and, and I wonder if that's what you're seeing out of him because I still think he's probably the best goalie in the league, but consistently night to night right now, it seems like, you know, and, and it, the one thing that sucks for Tampa now if this goes the way it looks like it's going to go is they don't get any less rest for right. You're supposed to win the cup or rest going into next season. The team that gets screwed the hardest out of any season is the team that loses the cup final. They've went just as long as the champs did and has just as short a summer and has nothing to show for it. And so Tampa, you know, has played all these games again. And I, I, I don't know. Uh, John Cooper said at, in the post game press conference, I, at no point did I consider pulling him. I might have pulled him, right? It was over. It's not a statement on how good he is. Everybody knows he's great. Look, you need him if you're going to come back. I would have sat him down in the third, I think. When's the last time you've seen the Tampa backup? It's Brian Elliott, I it believe. It is Brian is it Elliott. Not? We have not seen him in the playoffs uh, in the last three years. And it wasn't always him. I think it was Curtis McElhaney, it, I believe. Curtis McElhaney, yeah. for sure it was, yeah. Um, they don't pull him. I get that. But, but you know what? At some point, you're like, hey, man. The pull is is not because you suck. Right. The pull sometimes is because you're getting no support in front of you. Now I, I am totally willing to wait and see what game what game three looks like. Yeah. Um, when they move back home, but yeah, as I said to you, the down two nothing to the Rangers feels very very different. Yes. Than this one does right now, and so to me, that is the part where. You can't flip the whole narrative on its on its ear where coming into the final, we were all like, the media was saying, oh, Stamkos this and Kucherov that. And and when you look at no Kadri, at least for the foreseeable future, yep. but Point was coming back and you're like, oh, okay, man, if you can, even if you can skate Point on the third line and put him on the first power plate unit, that mm-hmm. what a great drop-in addition that is, right? Yeah. We don't need them, but we can spot check them. And Kadri is your 80-plus point second-line center, and you don't get them. Right. And you're like, man. Could be a swing point right there. It, it, you're like, that's and, – and the whole Stamkos, not good enough to even make Rob Rob's 13th man on the Olympic team. <laughs> um, he's a bum. Yeah, no, we oh, both had him washed up. and Yeah, 100 points. Out, no. 100 points, and, and Tampa's probably odds-on favorite for a Conn Smythe going into the final and now you're like oof where where you been man all of it all of it and it's just they've looked old and slow and i just i I need not an overtime win from tampa in game three i need something in the way of of dominance yeah i i do i i really need i need to see i need to see that the matchups I need to see the Nick Paul does it all, you know, game seven Toronto kind of Nick Paul. All those things, right? We need to see that coming into game three where it shows game four as as something more than, hey, we're going to take our our sort of obligatory one game and then we're going to get the gentleman sweep. You right. know what I mean? I, I need to see a statement game 
from Tampa at home, and they need uh, uh, clearly they need both because yeah, no, I don't see them. I see them having a real hard time in Colorado. One of the things you and I didn't get to talk about before this series started that had crossed my mind was this being a series that could be in a you know here in a Stanley Cup final. The referendum on yes, you pay an All Star goalie eight, nine, ten million dollars a year versus eh, just throw somebody out there, you'll be fine. Um, at the time that I wanted to bring it up, we still weren't sure whether Kemper was going to be back. It might have been uh, Francis. Uh, who guided them through most of that Edmonton series. Um, but of course, Vasilevsky is the big dog, and he's paid like it. Uh, like very few goalies in the league at this point, he and Carey Price are up there. I think Hellebuck is at closer to six or six and a half, which is a more tolerable number. Um, I don't know what to make out of, honestly, out of Darcy Kemper, because he just, I think it was 19 shots and then 17 shots in the first two games. He's been fine, and it's not like he's some schlub. He's not anti-Niemi. They gave up Connor Timmons and a first-round pick to get him. And Is he a Corey Crawford? Yeah, I, I don't know. Is he a Chris Osgood? I got to think he's better than Chris Osgood. He of three Stanley Cups in a Hall of Fame, probably. Is he a Matt Murray? Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's just, to me, it's interesting, and he will get paid this, this summer as a UFA, but if we seen enough like is this series allowed us to make any sort of decision on how you build your team whether or not you need to have because the right now the nine million dollar goalie is getting smashed i don't think either one of us as we've already said think it's all his fault or anything but there's a bunch of ways of building a team and i don't know if this referendum that i sort of saw coming has actually played out that way like i haven't been able to read anything into this enough to say yeah you don't you don't have to do that well the open face shit sandwich that is you know, Rob, Rob, Maddie, you, and um, TSN guy out of Toronto, Scotty MacArthur. Right. And, and we're talking about Carey Price in 2017, five years ago. And I'm like, yeah, if you have the goalie, if you have the guy, you got to pay him. I was one guy in four in that room. <laughs> um, taking a beating, actually. Um then there is all the examples that we just ran through of guys who you go, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to take a, and I, I think a Campbell is a great example of it, right? Of a guy who's, yeah, man, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to stop the ones I should stop mm-hmm. versus I'm going to make some great saves and, you know, the backbreaker ones a la Mike Smith, right? Like, the ones from 150 feet I'm going <laughs> to let in. But I'm gonna dive and, and jump and fling myself all over the great place doing it. Yeah, spectacular. Yeah. But man, I am, I am, I have come, I believe, 180 degrees from that day in 2017, where I'm like, yeah, if you got your price or you got your Vasilevsky, do you let him walk or do you overpay him? That's a different question. But right. do you go out? Do you go out and and overpay the Bobrovsky? Right. I do no, not. No. I do not do that, right? I I will take I will take your John Gibson or your like Vasilevsky's been worth everything he's been paid. Like that's well, not guys, I I don't look three at three cup finals. Right. That's not a bad contract. But what you know, it's hard even to argue what else Tampa might have used his money on. They've been fine. They've won back-to-back cup champions. Yeah, Colorado yeah. has put their money 
in other places and they're going to have to again this year. And so they needed to trade for Kemper. They had to do the Connor Timmons in a first round pick because Kemper was still cheap on the cap. And there's a number of ways of, of building a team. And right now the $9 million guy is down two games to nothing to the, the cheap guy uh, using Campbell as the, you know, the other example, he lost to the $9 million. So like, there's a number of ways a series can go. And well, and, and, and the, uh, I only put the the shit portion of the open face shit sandwich. <laughs> um, Kemper was the bread on that because coming out of the World Championships last year, I, I said he could be on the Canadian Olympic team as a third goalie. He would be a great addition. Yep. So it is. He's he's not. He is not. He's not a chump, right? But he is that guy where you're like, man, I I I could win with that guy. Yep. Just don't hurt me. That's it. Be good enough, right? Just be good enough. So, yeah, I think that's interesting. We'll talk about that as we head into the off season because the Toronto crease is going to be a fascinating topic here for a little bit. But uh, that's for another day. Look, we got. Uh, I wanted to talk about Bruce Cassidy to Vegas. You had uh, some notes. Six two on Yankees. The, all right, on the Ottawa front office. Where do you want to go first? I want to go to. I want to go to Bruce Cassidy. I am super fascinated by that. Uh, he gets fired about well ten days ago, eleven days yeah. ago. At this but point. terrible. Yeah, no, ridiculous uh, decision. There was some talk that maybe he wasn't particularly popular in the Boston locker room with some of the younger players. Um, maybe Bergeron wouldn't come yeah, back. I, not I, just the younger players, perhaps. Right. Uh, I don't know how much of that is true. When you're a hard ass coach, you do have a short shelf life. I, I do recognize that part of it. But this guy playoffs all the time within one game of a cup. Um, just came off another 100-point season, uh, season, really just squeezing every last drop out of some of the older players on that team. He's a, clearly a fantastic coach. I got to say, man, and I'm sure maybe for different reasons, maybe for the same, I, I don't know, I love this for Vegas. I assume you feel the same. Yeah. You, you know what? When you last, uh, I, I don't know, late last year, you and Michaela did a show where you talked about Olympic coaches yeah and and you didn't mention cassidy and i tweeted at both of you and said man do not yeah do not forget bruce cassidy like to me as a good nepean guy right (laughs) out of here out of uh out of ottawa um the stat that 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 to me i find to be amazing as as coaches who have played who coach six seasons only scotty bowman and the, the other name escapes me but only two coaches out of 105 have better records than Bruce Cassidy. Wow. Of, of a 650 or better winning percentage. Right. And, and yet. You're fired. See, see, yeah. Cam Neely says, not good enough for me. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, we've, we've, we've taken away Krug. We've taken away Rask. We've taken away Chara. Uh, Creechie's gone. We're yep. just. And we've replaced them with Felino and Eric Halla. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and you're just like, oh, it's Charlie Coyle. Yeah, like these are the guys, right? And you're like Linus Olmark, and and you just sort of go, and he still gets you a hundred plus points. Yep, not good enough, not good enough. And you go, the Bruins. You that is the moment when we're all looking for. In the east, in, in in the in the Atlantic, and you're like, okay, you know, 
we need somebody to fall out of that sort of Toronto, Tampa, Florida, Boston position. You know, in order for anyone, whether it's Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo, to make a move. Not you, Montreal. Yeah, no, for sure not you, Montreal. <laughs> you need you need somebody to you need somebody to move back. Right? Yeah, and you someone's go, gotta fall out. And you go, Tampa, maybe they don't win the cup this year. Maybe they do. Yeah. But they're still Elite. F- littered with studs, yeah. right? And and you go, uh, Toronto, solid. Yep. Florida, built for built to win now. And yep. you go, you guys are good. Boston. You, Boston. Yeah. Well, and looking at you, Boston, at, at 107 points. Right. I was looking at them this year, and they just kept winning and winning and winning. Well, you've looked at them for like five There's years been now. several years going, this is it. They're done. Yeah. <laughs> Screw those guys. Yeah. They're not that good. But, but. Now you sort of look at it and stomping go, all over me again. <laughs> yeah, and you go, but maybe no Bergeron, and yeah. you go no Marchand, and no McAvoy till like maybe February. You know, <laughs> yeah, and you go and no Cassidy. Now, now you go. Now you're. I think you're I Jack Adams. <laughs> but you're like, okay, you know what, man? I don't know. That looks to me more and more like the like the mark. And you go, this is a guy who all anybody who who knows him talks about is is he lets. The veterans run the run the locker room, mm-hmm. leans heavily on his vets, and it's fine if you have your Charas and your Marchands and your Bergeron, especially your Bergeron and your Charas, right? Charas gone now, but Bergeron to me is everybody understands that guy is that class. Guy's the show, yeah, c- competitive guy. Just everything about him is I'm going to put up 80 points and I'm going to shut down your best player, like, and and so. It's interesting what the narrative that has sort of altered a bit since the firing, right? Where you hear that maybe, you know, uh, David Krejci is saying, I'll come back, but not if Cassidy's the coach. Yeah. And the rumors that, that Bergeron saying, you know what, maybe not with Butch. Well, maybe right? Pasternak doesn't want to resign long term. And and, and, and and so and it was interesting. Mark Mathot was on local radio last week sometime and and he was saying, yeah, I still have a bunch of guys I know in the league. And some were saying, yeah, I love that guy. Right. I love that guy. He's hard on you and he's honest. And there's other guys who are like, I fucking hate that guy. Well, that's and a very so- Torts reaction too. There are guys who love John Tortorella, right? Like in the, everybody knows his reputation and what he's done. He's just signed now in Philadelphia. We'll see what that's going to look Terrible! like. Uh, we'll see what happens there, right? But um, you don't know. You're already rebuilding Florida, Philly, and you don't even. And you're making this coaching hire. Guys like Cam Atkinson say loved playing for that guy. Like I'll go through a wall for that guy. Like there are those players out there who don't mind it. And and the, like this would be interesting in Vegas because I think there's some comparable pieces there, right? Like yep. you can have Petrangelo be your your McAvoy. You to me really interesting. Jack Eichel. Maybe he's his Brad Marchand, guy with a bit of an attitude problem at times, guy with a bit of a reputation. I can help that guy. I can push that guy to the next level and, and get him back where he needs to be. Mark Stone is Patrice Bergeron, right? And th- both in style of play and the way they carry themselves. Yep. I think there's some interesting comparables between that, Bru- old, uh, that Bruins team of about five years ago and where this Vegas team is now. I, I don't know long term. Maybe he is an unpopular guy. Maybe they won't love him there. But for a few years, which is what this <laughs> Vegas team's window is right now with the way they're built, it would not shock me at all if he gets them right back on track and puts them over the top. I, I think he could do that. Hundred hundred percent agree. Uh, I know that makes for a boring show, 
But um, you look at, I think he got a bump his last, either a year ago or two years ago, Bruce Cassidy I'm talking about, three million bucks a year in Boston is what they paid him. Right. They fired him with at least a year left on his contract. I think he signed five times five. In Vegas. Like, in Vegas. Yeah. A tax, an essentially tax-free yeah. state. Like, you, I, I've gone from Boston where your team is going to be, they're in, the, they're in the swirl of the flush right now. Yeah. They're on the way down, wherever you want to look at. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've now fired me. And really, when your team, without you. those guys we mentioned... When they're in the, when they're already being flushed by by the by American Thanksgiving, and you want to fire me, well, now you have some other new coach, whoever that is, yeah, that you can't fire. That's a whole and other thing you boxed yourself in on. Yeah, this is it. And I have now moved on to a five times a pay raise, an incredible pay raise with a team that is looking to win right now. Yep. And as you as you said. You, they have the leadership down there. To me, it's it's that Stone Petrangelo combo, right? In terms of personalities mm-hmm. and, and and character, and and Jack Eichel now is going to slide in under those guys, right? Where he has other guys, and not skill wise, but I mean, just in terms of in That's the not your room. room. This is this. You are part of this room. It's not your room. Right. We're not bringing any any Boston College or BU guys wherever he went. We're not bringing any of those guys in. This is your deal, and you were gonna you were gonna just do what you do best, Jack Eichel. I think it's it's really a, and you have the dynamic which was the Peter DeBoer, um, Robin Leonard situation. Yeah. And, you, and and that is now removed, and you are able to have Butchie talk directly to that guy. I just think it's such a great, such a great hire. When they made that now, hire, I tweeted out they just won the Pacific. Now they might have won it anyway, <laughs> like it's with yeah, the way that I, division I, is and whatever. But I I think that's their division now to win, and maybe the cup. You, well, and, and you knew that. To me, I, I I still see Edmonton sort of. We'll see what happens in the off season, kind of holding that middle spot. But I certainly see Calgary taking just a step back. A little bit, yeah. And Vegas taking a step up. So, but to me, it's it's um, and 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 for Bruce Cassidy, you're like, Psh, all right, I'll I'll coach two years and you'll fire me like you do with every other coach, yep. right? Like five years in, three coaches, whatever you got going on here. Um, but I'll take so your I'll be gone. Mil. <laughs> yeah, this is it, man. I'll I'll take your I'll take your tax free cash and. And we'll go forward from there. Now he's a coach, right? Like it's it's um, he wants to coach. Yeah. So those guys are, but the coaching the coaching landscape beyond him is when you look at the jobs that are still open, whether it be with interims in them or openings, and you still got your trots out in front, and it, it's it's fascinating. This is this it may be more interesting this off season to see where where coaches end up, right, in terms of... Well, like you said, Pete DeBoer is out there. Travis Green is still out there, who I think is very good, right? Like, there's a lot of big name... See, I'd love to have Travis Green with the young team. Yes. No, I agree with that. Um, Before we move over to the Senators here, let's talk briefly. uh, I'd be remiss, I guess, if we didn't mention the Dodonov for Shea Weber trade. uh, Yes, guy! Here this week. Uh, Really interesting. A lot of people railing against it for Montreal, saying Dadanov has nothing left to contribute and completely ignoring the fact that you just got out from underneath an absolute arbitross of a of a deal. 
the thing I think a lot of people fail to understand is LTIR, yeah, like that guy can allow you to go over, but on opening night, you got to be under, right? You have to be under the cap when you put your team together, and then you can put these guys on LTIR. If you have Shea Weber and Carey Price isn't good to go, you have to be down at like $63 million on opening night. You got to be 20 million under, and that is a hell of a problem, right? You can't send enough guys on two-way deals to the minors to make that all fit. One of those contracts, if they're not sure about Carey Price, absolutely had to go. Vegas, they absolutely plan to spend that money over the cap. They can make that happen. Uh, They're still going to have some juggling to do, no doubt. But Carey Price may play, may not in Montreal. And Dadunov, he was not as dead weight as he had been in Ottawa. And a lot of the reactions I was seeing, and, and fair enough, based on where I'm based, were from Ottawa. And he wasn't good here. But he had rebuilt a little bit of value down in Vegas and, and played yeah. pretty well for them. And Montreal can turn around and flip him at the deadline or sooner if they want to a team that maybe, you know, they can retain half with what they're going to be this year. And, um, you know... I, I thought, to be honest with you, for what these teams are both trying to accomplish, it was fine. I was surprised. I never had that in, you know, in mind. With, but for Montreal to, you know, remove that risk if Carey Price isn't good to go of having to be twenty million dollars under the salary cap <laughs> to start the year is huge. And and Dadunov, yeah, whatever. You'll flip him later for a fourth if you want. Or sometimes Russians find a little, you know, Kovalchuk kind of rebuilt his value oh, a little they, in Montreal. Uh, Kovalev. And- they, yeah, they, they like love the, the Russians do love Montreal. Yeah. So it's, I, it, I thought it was an interesting deal, man. I didn't think it was a barn burn. I didn't think it was earth shattering. I just, there was a lot of people who didn't totally, I think, understand the mechanics of it. And, and that's fair because the salary cap shit is wonky at best, but I didn't hate it for either team, to be honest with you. Well, and people don't also understand that there is a limit that you can be, that you can have in LTIR, yes. right? And, and, and you go, there's a pile there and you go, Psh. And and so it was. And, and did you see you being a big Twitter guy? I am a big Twitter guy. Did, did you see? Did you see the the ducks? Yeah, the kind ducks. of trolling on them. <laughs> are you sure you can trade them there? Yeah. Well, and, and so the the Golden Knights are laying it out. You know, this is the trade we've done. This blah blah blah. And and it was just the simple. Are you sure? Right. Are you sure you've done this? Well, and for those not catching on to that, they thought they had traded Dadenov to Anaheim at the trade deadline. Anaheim was on Dadnoff's no trade list and the league was like, yeah, no, you're actually not trading him there. So Anaheim just being like, you guys maybe want to double check this this time, right? It's uh, That's a shot right at you, Kelly McCrimmon. I like it, though. I think that's uh, that's fun. Of course, I, man. I traded a couple tweets on uh, Saturday there with the new owner of the uh, the Alouettes there, Gary Stern, and he's been out there kind of stirring it up a little bit and, and we're going to kill the Argos, which, which they didn't or whatever, but he's bringing a lot of energy and the invite now stands. He said he's going to check with his media people. I assume that's going to be a big old no, but uh, but we'll see. We traded a couple of tweets. Seems like a good Come guy. on, Gary. Get on here, man. You can do it. Yeah. We're friendly. Put your back Come into on. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll leave it just with that, man. Right. That's totally. That's totally. The and, invite and just, still just, stands for Gary Stern. Hopefully we'll talk it, to it, him. It does. Yeah. And, and just, just to finish that up before you move off is it, Dodonov had... 20 goals or whatever it was, yeah. right? And, and if you can flash back and you can distill his career in Ottawa down to the Toronto game where... Of course, that's came, where we're going to distill it down to. They, they came... Well, because to me, it is one of those things where you go, he blocked that empty net shot and then came down and scored. 
bam, in that comeback well from five, worth the $5 down. million dollars Ottawa paid him or... <laughs> Man, well, and right, right out of the COVID lockdown, he came in here fat and pudgy. <laughs> Nobody ever ate borscht and got fat and pudgy. I don't know what that guy was doing, but... Um, Enjoying that North American culture, man. Yeah, well, clearly, clearly lots of Putin. I think that's how that goes, because <laughs> he came in here and he was not great. Um, but yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be another no-back-check, Mike Hoffman kind of deal in Montreal, where... Tatar. He's got a great opportunity to put up some points, but also allow some points. Yep. Um, it'll be very interesting to see to see how that shakes out. And, and I agree with you. I agree with you one hundred percent that they will love him for his moments of of flash and and brilliance, probably on the power play. And then you flip him out for a third at the at the the trade deadline. Somebody will go. All right, take a shot on that guy for depth. You were taking yeah, for sure, man, for next to nothing, and, and you know. If you look at his time in Florida and 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 briefly in uh, in in Vegas, he works well with good players. Yep. Right. Like you can put him on a second power play unit. You oh, can do sure. these sorts of things, and 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 you can get some results from it. Um, but yeah. So to me, not a bad deal for Montreal, and and they will, the fans will love him. San Louis will love him. <laughs> and it'll be a bright spot in a long cold winter in Montreal. <laughs> Uh, in the notes that we traded back and forth here, you had mentioned you wanted to touch on the Ottawa front office and my, the little hamster inside my brain got on the wheel and just started running and, and couldn't come up with anything that might be <laughs> on the agenda there. So why don't you tell me, uh, what's on your mind around the Ottawa senators and, right and, now? And, and, and Matt, it's not a, it's not, it's really more of a, a small nugget of discussion. All right. it's, it's, it's really since... <laughs> Since you know with the, the the tumult of the Eugene passing and um, and there's really been a lot of of okay Eugene passing check clear right we've pushed that to the side now right and you go since then there's been some positive upward yeah. momentum with with the franchise right which Pierre we McGuire talked about fired <laughs> well okay positive. which we talked which we talked about right and it was interesting you know a couple of weeks ago Anthony LeBlanc who is the uh, Chief Marketing Officer, I believe is his title with the Senators. Um, he was on, he was talking about season's ticket renewals and, and new tickets are, are as high as they've been in a decade. And hmm. and corporate corporate um, sponsorship, you know, is also up. And, and, and businesses who have, who have left have put their hand up to say, hey, we're interested in a new discussion. So yes. w- whatever happens, right? Those are good signs. For sure. We'll see what we'll see what happens, right? But it's it's sort of rosy, and you have this who knows what. And the, and then the news came out that the senators are looking to bolster and enhance their front office. And you're like, yeah, that's about time, man. You are already running the smallest hockey ops in the league. And then all that's happened since then is you fired Pierre Maguire. Mm-hmm. And then now this week, your assistant GM has quit. And you're like, okay, wait, wait. They're going the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. How do they know where we're going? <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely going the wrong way. And we're talking about the draft is two and a half weeks away. Yeah. Free agency right behind that. And you go, I get it. Your amateur staff is still in place. 
I, I get it. Your draft is probably going to be okay. But this is a crucial time for hockey ops and good hockey people. Was was Peter McTavish a good hockey guy? I don't know. But you cannot take away Maguire and McTavish. Two pretty big pieces in the in the brain trust, in, for better in, or well, worse. And in this, a small hockey ops. Yeah. At this You're time going of year. the wrong way. Right. And so to me, it was just it's it's there is whatever is actually happening behind the scenes, there was a lot, there was a public swell of of um support. Goodwill, and, yeah. And, and and exactly. And and now you've you've been there's been a small sprinkle of urine on that. <laughs> A spritz, a spritz of urine. Yeah, you're standing there at the urinal in sandals, and you know you're done peeing, but your foot's getting kind of what? Hey, that's, that's that's a pretty aggressive shake. <laughs> yeah, because I'm getting it over here. Right? No, you're right, man. And even anecdotally, like speaking to a couple of people, like checks from like 15 months ago finally started coming out. Vendors are getting paid again. Uh, and yeah, it makes people more willing to, okay, maybe it really, maybe the problem really was as simple as everyone thought it was. And now the reputation's being cleaned up a little bit. And, and yeah, when you start to then hear, look, I, we talked about it a couple times, the Pierre Maguire thing, I don't think shocked anybody. Um, Pierre Dorian was just like, yep, that wasn't my hire and you're gone. Um, but this most recent one here this week kind of makes you go, What's happening and why is it happening right now? Because it is an important time of year, as you have laid out. And um, yeah, you don't want to have anything right now that even has the tiniest odor of disorganization, um, you know, problems behind the scenes. Everything seemed to be trending in the right direction. And I think you want as much as possible to keep pushing forward with that. Well, and, and he's gone back to... He he came from he was a part time agent and a lawyer for Canada Post I believe this is McTavish McTavish yeah when he when he got hired on as the assistant GM so you're like okay the guy is 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 coming in he's a new face and he's doing his thing and he's negotiating contracts and he's and he's doing some good work in Belleville right as the GM down there mm-hmm. but he's now decided to leave your franchise. To go back to becoming an agent with what I can only assume is no no players, right? Unless you're buying in, like the same way now, I'm an agent. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. We now we now represent the same number of people, right? <laughs> and so, I've left an assistant GM position in the NHL to represent no one. <laughs> it seems it seems like. A, why did a that guy want to leave? Yeah, and so to me, that's one of those things where you just sort of go question mark in a big bubble over your head. You're like, that 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 can't be good, right? Right? Like I I, I want to get on board with this, and I'm feeling good, but now I'm feeling less good. Should and I not, be feeling this good? What's happening, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's one of those things, right? Where you're like, yes, I am optimistic. Do I have reason to feel as optimistic as I should? No, probably not. But damn you right. for trying to rain on my parade. That's and, all. And so to me, that in terms of the front office, you're like an eye on for sure, man. Well, and 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 they've as they've talked about who is who are you hiring now? Oh man, like, yeah, 
before the major decisions need to be made at the draft and free agency that you're done. Like it's, whoever's just left Pierre Dorian and his dog, I guess, are running the show. And well, this is it. And so to me, I, it's it's just you've now. And again, I don't worry about the draft. Right, short of last year, you know, Trent Mann has has done a great job. Amateur scouting's and, and, been pretty yeah, good. Yeah. And so I, I have no real concerns there. But it, it's we are at a spot now where the pro side, the free agency sign side, is is so crucial that we need every hand on deck right now, not fewer. <laughs> so that to me was. As you said, and, and really we can just, man, you are absolutely going the wrong way. Good news from over here, mom. Yep. I know. I know. I know. And, and, and it seems like, you know, we'll be forever, you know, foiled by our <laughs> foiled from within, but whatever, man, it's, it's uh we'll better see. to be foiled from within. Then foiled from behind as we wind down the talking audio podcast. Well, and if it's if there's foil, uh, maybe not behind. always. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm not happy with the foil from behind. You mean you didn't want to break down the uh, the Grand Prix this weekend? I absolutely did not. No, <laughs> what's the and one? You know, Montreal, and you know what? Yeah. And it's funny because um, Have you watched the Netflix series. No, no, me neither. And apparently that's all you got to do. You watch that. And now you love F1, I, I guess. Yeah. And you know what? And, and it's, I, I don't have time to take on another sport. No, that's true, man. As a passion, like, and, and to me, people who watch that, you know, uh, live to drive or drive to survive or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> sure. It's, it's, it is the, they, they become like. They're all in. Addicts. Yeah. They're all in for sure. And I'm like, it must you know be what, a man? good show. I got hockey, I got baseball, and then I got some casual whatever else in between. I don't need to pick up another sport. I don't even have the NFL, man. I, like, come on, honestly, if I'm going to go somewhere else, I'm going to get beat down by that. But <laughs> when I was a kid, I went to the 86 Montreal Grand Prix. Huge, man. There had to be 200,000 people oh, there. Oh, I know. It does huge. That was before Netflix. Can you believe it? Uh, no, and this is it. And, and, and honestly, I, I went out there, and you're you're. I'm blown away by the sound of it. Yeah, right. Like I'm 13 ish at that time, and I remember walking out, and it's just the sound of of the of the cars themselves. Just it, you feel it, man, physically in your chest. And and I remember then moving to Peterborough again, but Going probably to the, the year after the Grand Prix. No, no, but it's it's how big the Molson Grand Prix in Toronto was, yeah. or the Molson. So that's NAS, uh, not now. It's IndyCar, Indy, and yeah, and so you're like, it was so huge, right? The Molson, it just it was this huge race. Well, those three big ones. Edmonton for a long time had a huge race as well. That uh, I can't remember if it was Indy or uh, it must have been uh, Indy. Indy yeah. yeah. Like it, it's just shrunk and shrunk and shrunk, but uh, it appears to be on the F one side on the on the rebound. And I, there's been a couple times where I've thought, you know what, I'm going to watch that series and just see what the big deal is, right? I'm not that worried about becoming a getting hooked on becoming an F one, uh, and then I ended up just canceling my Netflix instead. So, <laughs> kind of went. You're going the wrong way. Okay, <laughs> sir. But I'm going to tell you right now, Matt. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now. I've finished season four. Well, okay, at least the. The middle part of Stranger Things. Okay. So they they have they again a teaser seven episodes, 
The other seven in season four are being released July 1st. Dynamite. But even better, even better than that, last night and this morning, I took in the first two episodes of season six of Peaky Fucking Blinders. And it was gorgeous. That's a Bob McKenzie. uh, Oh, man. He's always on that show, always telling everybody to check it out. I am a Tommy Shelby as an anti-hero kind of. Yeah, uh, I, I, he is a sharp dressed badass mofo. Peaky Blinders. If you haven't watched it, you got to get on it. Gets you got to get Captain on it. Blowhard. Two thumbs up your bum. Three thumbs. All right, look at that guy. <laughs> Just eager, You're, just eager calling out. For the they are time. all out there. I am. I am all in on it. I am all in on the Shelby's. Yep, you got it. We'll wind this one down here on that uh, disturbing front. This is uh, episode 980 of the Talking Audio oh, Podcast. We're, we're closing in on 1,000. Yeah, probably about 10 weeks away or so. Unless Who I will be on that, Matt? Will I be on that show? Probably not. I'm not even sure I'm going to be on it. <laughs> We'll hand it to Maddie, see what he can put together down in Toronto. <laughs> Let him run with it. Uh, we'll wind this one down here. We'll figure that out as it inches closer. Uh, but uh, for now, we hope you all have a great week. Um, for Rob, my name is Matt. Make sure you have subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now. Hit us up on uh, social media at Tall Can Audio. We'll catch you all next time. See ya! That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. It was a disgrace. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCan Audio on your favorite podcast app.